Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, he is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is Wednesday, that is turn the page day in NFL parlance. So it is on to the Detroit Lions. The Packers will kick it off with their NFC North rival Sunday, noon Central Time, 1 Eastern Time kickoff at Ford Field. And when you look at Detroit, a brand new head coach this year, Matt Patricia, former defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And an interesting start to his tenure because what really was an absolute debacle in week one on Monday Night Football on national TV for a head coaching debut, they get blown out at home by the New York Jets and rookie quarterback Sam Darnold. Since then, boy, a huge fourth quarter comeback in San Francisco that gets upset or overturned in, in a sense, a huge interception late in that game that Detroit might have pulled off that comeback, gets called back on a defensive holding penalty away from the ball. They lose by three. Then they beat the Patriots in primetime on Sunday Night Football. Then last week, another big fourth quarter comeback. They take the lead against the Cowboys only to lose on a walk-off field goal. So it looks to me, Wes, that they put that week one disaster behind them. This is a very, very competitive Detroit Lions football team. Yeah, I mean, you can see the fire in them. And, and certainly, and I've said this time and time again, in my for my money, I think Matthew Stafford's a top 10 quarterback in this league. And, and there's a lot of, I think, guys that are worthy of that right now. I think this is a good era for quarterbacks, especially seeing what these last two draft classes have looked like. So when you have him driving the bus, uh, there's going to be a certain amount of success I think you're going to have inherently just because of what he can do and how he can create. It appears like they finally found a complimentary running piece in carry on uh, Johnson. And now being able to kind of adjust that defense is really the biggest thing. If you've been following the Lions at all, Mike, they've been doing some really interesting things in terms of Ricky Jean-Francois, who was a uh, rotational guy here last year got cut, finished the year with uh, Patricia and the Patriots. Well, right. now he's a starter in their defense. Yeah. Um, certainly, you know, uh, Darius Slay and uh, Glover Quinn and all these guys that are there have been there. Uh, but trying to find the pass rush is going to be the biggest thing for them. It looks like right now Eli Harold has been a guy that sort of stepped up in that capacity. A lot of playmakers all around for them. It's just about trying to find some of that consistency. Yeah, well, you mentioned the running back, Carrion Johnson, a high draft pick for the Lions out of Auburn, I believe, right. if that's correct. I still don't know how a guy named Carrion doesn't play college football in Kansas, but <laughs> I digress. Um, he could be an eight-time Pro Bowler, and Mike Spofford <laughs> in year 10 is going to be saying, you know, it really is a shame that he didn't go to Kansas. Yeah, it's just... It, it just doesn't fit. Anyway, <laughs> um, but he, against the New England Patriots, rushed for 100 yards. He became the first single-game 100-yard rusher for the Detroit Lions since Thanksgiving of 2013 against the Packers when Reggie Bush did it. So, And he's averaging, what is it, about 5.7 per, per right carry yeah. so far this season. So he's off to a good start. They look like, it looks like they do have that running piece that they need. And Matthew Stafford's got his weapons as well. I think Matthew Stafford has taken his game to a whole nother level since Calvin Johnson's retirement. Golden yeah. Tate has really come into his own as a premier receiver in this league, in my opinion. Kenny Galladay, a young receiver who's stepping up and making plays. And I forget who their third. Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, that's the guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Had success against the Packers in the past Yeah, as well. definitely. Sta Stafford's, got, Stafford's got weapons, and if they, if they add some balance with that running game, this is an offense that becomes even more dangerous than it has been. This is what's funny, though, because we get these questions all the time. 
time in inbox, right, about, you know, why aren't the Packers featuring one guy at running back? Well, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you have on Johnson averaging 5.7 yards per carry. And then you have LeGarrette Blunt, who basically has tit for tat the same amount of carries. He's averaging 2.7 right now. So it's going to be interesting to see as time wears on here if Patricia, if Jim Bob Cooter start giving the ball more to Johnson and just letting him run with it. But as far as the receivers are concerned, Mike, certainly this offseason they moved on from uh, Eric Ebron, uh, the ups and downs they went with him at tight end, and they yep. basically focused more on these three receivers. Obviously Tate and Marvin Jones Jr. were two great acquisitions for them in the aftermath of the Calvin Johnson era or even during it, but I mean sort of helping – sort of carry the torch and, and adjust yeah. that passing game moving forward. But Galladay, too, has shown a lot of ability. And and though getting those three receivers going for them, that's going to be their big key. And inside that's, that dome, I mean, it just seems like that fits their offense and what they want to do. Yeah, and I don't want to pigeonhole guys too much, but from the outside looking in, when I look at this uh, Detroit Lions receiving core, it sort of strikes me as – Golden Tate is your kind of yards after the catch yep. guy. Marvin Jones Jr. maybe falls into that possession receiver category. And then Galladay is a really big time deep threat with his long strides, you know, and, and large catch radius in terms of throwing the deep ball. So obviously these guys can do more than just those things. But my point is it's a very complimentary group of receivers. They, they're not the same guy. It's, it's not three guys that you can take the same approach to defending all through the game. And, and Matthew Stafford is, uh, when when he's on schedule and he's on time and he's he's got the protection and he's in rhythm, he can really light it up. One thing I think that the Lions have done really well, and this has been for about four or five years, you know, Mike, when you go into free agency, it can be a mixed bag. You can hit and you can miss, particularly at the receiver position. It seems like that's a really hard position to be able to sign guys as free agents and have them come in and become legitimate, you know, play after play playmakers yeah they did that with both golden tate and then also with marvin jones jr jones uh he had a phenomenal start two years ago he averaged 16.9 yards per catch that year but i don't know if you remember that like he had like 100 yard game after another the first couple weeks and then he tapered off last yeah. year was a lot more balanced got his first 1000 yard season this year off to another fine start for them as well so yeah with having those two threats outside and knowing over all this time what golden tate's done in the middle of the field it's a nice complement of weapons. The big thing for the Lions is just that offensive line. Uh, mm -hmm. We saw last weekend T.J. Lang exited with the concussion. They used their first-round pick. Uh, I believe that was on uh, yeah Frank Ragnow. Ragnow from of, uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, the center. And then Ricky Wagner, they signed a, a couple years back. Uh, Taylor Decker, they drafted. So they do have guys there. It's just that I think there's some questions if somebody is unable to play, what the depth looks like at that position. Yeah, and you mentioned the, their pass rush earlier. They have an outside linebacker, I believe his name is uh, Devon Kennard. Yeah. He's leading them right now with four sacks, right. which actually he's approaching his own career high in sacks already at this stage of, of the season. He's a, a, a fifth-year pro. The Lions picked him up to, to fit him into this Patricia defense. And, uh, you know, we talked for so many years in the in the Indomitian Sue, Nick Fairley, you know, era with that defensive line, Kyle Vandenbosch, those right. kinds of guys. You know that defensive line was uh, was so much the the crux of that defense and and how they got the pressure on the quarterback. It seems like maybe a little bit of a shift to where an outside linebacker type, yes, uh, like Kennard yeah. is is maybe who they're trying to build the pass rush around. And like I said, he uh, you know Eli Harold too has three sacks. Uh, so you know two guys that I think. I mean obviously Harold's a, a relatively high draft pick. 
they're expecting contributions. But I think right now in 2018, you'd think of Ziggy Ansah, you think of you know those defensive end type body types, and now it's a little bit more to that hybrid type position. Yeah. Um, certainly, yeah. I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't know much about Kennard going into this season. Yeah, I didn't either. But it also reminds you, I think, of what was it two years ago when it was Kerry Hyder sort of came out yeah. of nowhere to make a contribution. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Had like eight or nine sacks or something. Yeah. That so that that's year. the name yeah. of the game, uh, Patricia. I think if you go back and look at the defenses and what they did and with the Patriots all those years, they're multiple. They like being able to you know generate certain game plans and certain schemes to the opponent. They like tailoring those kind of things. So uh, seeing exactly what the look is going to be uh, in this game for the Packers and how they want to defend this offense, again, having to keep in mind who's going to be available with the receiving core and whatnot. But overall, I, I think at the end of the day, it still comes back to your Darius Slays. It still comes back to your Quinns, the guys in the secondary that I think have sort of led that resurgence for them a little bit uh, and seeing if they can get the, the pass rush to complement those guys. Yeah, well, Darius Slay is as good a cover corner and as good a playmaker as there is at the yeah. cornerback position, really, in, in the entire NFC when you when you look at it. I think that matchup, I would expect him to be on Devontae Adams probably every single snap on Sunday. I think that's certainly a matchup to watch. And on uh, the Packers side of things, you know, I really think it comes down to somehow – you just have to get Matthew Stafford out of rhythm. You have to get him off schedule, and whether that's with certain pressure packages, you're not necessarily going to confuse a veteran like Stafford with, you know, different coverage looks and stuff like that, like the Packers did with Josh Allen. They were able to exploit his inexperience a little bit. But you know, if you can disrupt some of the routes at the line of scrimmage, if you can get some pressure on Stafford, you're not going to be able to throw off the timing of their offense with just one thing or one way. You're right. going to have to do it in a lot of different ways throughout four quarters. And, uh, and in that respect, the Packers certainly have their hands full on defense, but coming off of, obviously, a really good defensive performance to build on. Yeah, no doubt, Mike. And the thing is, too, with Stafford, that's just so interesting, especially now that the, the you know, Jay Cutler era has ended in Chicago. There's probably nobody, there is nobody in this league right now that the Packers have seen more than Stafford. I'm just trying to bring up the stats as we speak and doing a poor job of it. But in terms of uh, the, the knowledge base there, they've been playing him for nine years. Mike McCarthy has been playing him for nine years. Yeah. Now, there is a new element to it with Mike Pettin and his scheme, and they're going to have to make some decisions on how they want to defend that. But, I mean, overall, uh, I mean, you look at it, this will be their 15th matchup. Uh, the tablets weren't really working out well for me. But uh, <laughs> this will be the 15th matchup that they face them. He's 5-10 and 10 in those matchups. So you've seen the, the blueprint with him over the years, the times in which you're able to gain pressure, the times when you're able to get him to throw off his back foot, when you're able to get him throwing sort of that sidebar motion. Don't want to say forsaking his mechanics, but just being able to not allow him to get comfortable there that's when they've had success. You can't let Jones get going again like they did two years ago. You can't let that running game establish itself. You want to make them one-dimensional and make Stafford throw. Yeah, and when you look at this from a big-picture perspective from the Lions, and I know we have to get going, we have to kind of cut today's show short, unfortunately, because we're up against it with a few other responsibilities. Matt Patricia's news conference. Yeah, but uh, – um, but I, I gave the rundown at the beginning of the show as far as what the Lions have been through the last few weeks, how they put their, that week one uh, – you know, debacle in, in the rearview mirror. And hey, they're one and three, but they look at this as okay, yeah, the Bears are on top at three and one, but they're on a bye week. The Vikings already have two losses and a tie. The Packers have a loss and a tie. They can hand the Packers a second loss. They can get to two and three. If you're the Lions, you're looking at this game as as this is our opportunity to jump right back into the division race and not let anybody count us out. That's a great point, Mike, because if you look at the schedule, they have the Packers at home, then they have a bye week. They're coming back then to take on a Miami team. That had kind of a gut check 
uh, in losing that game to to New England. Yeah, New England kind yeah, of reestablished themselves pretty good there. Then they get to host Seattle at home, and then they're traveling to Minnesota, who's had their up and down. So yeah, this early in the season, especially being able to get a couple of these wins early, it sets you up. The Packers saw it last week. That was I don't want to say it was a must-win game because I don't think anything in the first quarter is. But when you look at trying to establish yourself and you're trying to win a division title, get yourself in those top seeds for the playoffs. You need to take care of business in all four quarters of the season. Packers were able to do that. I think 2-1-1 one, one is a good place to sit. The Lions had some missed opportunities. They came out slow. They lost a barn burner last week. They're going to be hungry in this game. And as we've seen, Mike, you and I have covered enough of these games at Ford Field. They can go either way. And a lot of yeah. times it comes down to who starts fast and who's able to protect the football. I think that's what happened basically every single time you can go back and look at the, the win-loss of those games on the road, specifically at Ford Field. That's ultimately been what's decided the outcome. Yeah, I agree with you. But as I said, we got to run. So we're going <laughs> to cut this run. one short today. <laughs> but uh, thanks for tuning in. We uh, will be back tomorrow with more on Packers Unscripted. He is w at Wes Hot on Twitter. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.